Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Hello, everyone. As always, we are broadcasting from our self-imposed quarantine. Uh, luckily, uh, our setup enables us to have this this solid connection, even over vast diff- distances uh, what of like three miles. Uh well, maybe like four or five. Maybe, maybe. But uh, we are ecstatic to be back with you. We have a fun program, we think, to talk about a few things that are pertinent to our in- imminent survival. Things like uh, finishing up 2007 with the history of comic book movies. And uh, maybe uh, talking about some vintage heavy metal. Or maybe not so vintage. Newer heavy metal by a vintage band. Yes, newer and vintage. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, we will also be talking just a little bit about some of the neat digital tools that allow us to still be geeks over a distance in some ways that might be fun and surprising. So how are you coping so far, Mr. Geiger? Things going well? Oh, yes. I've been drinking more than I've had in quite some time. (laughs) Well, we have to do what we have to do to cope. Uh, for me, it's it's less with drinking and more into staring into the abyss and uh, hoping for the best. So uh, besides doing a lot of drinking, just been playing a lot of Call of Duty Warzone. Oh, fun. Shooting, bombing, uh, trying to sneak up on people from a distance with a sniper rifle. I'm not much of a sniper person. Silly. And here we try again. Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Good to have you here, everyone. And and Mr. Richard, how are you dealing with the wonderful effects of, um, how can we say, potentially shoddy internet connections <laughs> while, while dealing with a, a quarantine? Um, other than the random time once or twice a day that it just completely stops for five minutes, whether I'm in the middle of doing, let's say a podcast or in the final circle of a call of duty war zone game, you know, it, it happens. Yeah, it sure does. And that kind of directly links into what we were planning on talking about today. Anyway, some of the neat digital tools that we use to stay connected in, in this time of pandemic but uh, more skewing towards some of the geeky side of things that we might be using. Uh, And we are also planning on being completely current and topical and talking about uh, a couple of CDs that came out many years ago by a, uh, by a band that's been around for decades. Uh, We will, you know, now's the time to play catch up on a lot of your uh, music listening. I imagine. Exactly, exactly. And then we'll finish up with the end of 2007 and our trek through the history of comic book movies. But uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a really interesting time to be dealing with this uh, and, and trying to come up with ways to stay engaged and not uh, cry every time something just seems to want to break down and not work. Well, y- yeah, um, but 
it, now that the weather is getting a little bit nicer outside, we can spend a little bit more time outside uh, messing around with yard work, let's call it. Um, it. When I say yard work, I mean I haven't mowed anything yet, but there's always things outside to do um, now that it's actually 50 or 60 degrees every day. So technology isn't the only thing that we have to to spend our time with, but it tends to be the one that occupies the most of our time. Well, you were talking a little bit about playing some Call of Duty. Do you primarily try and stay connected with the people that you normally uh, deal with in a more uh, in-person social setting just through kind of video games, or do you use other things? Uh, Video games are probably the... Well, I, I guess about the only thing. I don't really – I'm trying to think your text messages. That's really about it, sending memes, good memes, bad memes, vulgar memes. <laughs> Potentially surprising and, and often inappropriate uh, text message are a good way to uh, keep yourself endeared to those around you. <laughs> Keeps people on their toes. That, that it does. That it does. Um, now, you weren't a, a big tabletop gamer at all, right? Mm, not really no not really for those of us that are this uh being isolated is a little more difficult i mean luckily i have my family here and we we play games locally but our normal group of people that uh spans a variety of geographical locations that normally get together about once every week or two you know just can't do that right now um I ran into a couple of really interesting pieces of software that I'd heard about before and in, in, in being busy with work and life and hadn't really tried. And I tried them for the first time, uh, or at least one of them for the first time the other day. Uh, one called Tabletop Simulator. Have you heard of that one? Um, no. No, I have not. It's, uh, it's an interesting little concept. It's a uh, 3D virtual environment where literally there is a table and you play a tabletop game. There are some that the manufacturers have created um, for this particular interface. So, so we played Wingspan between the group of us. We used Discord to be able to keep the audio going. And then we used the tabletop simulator to play the game. So the whole game is there. The dice, individual dice are there. The individual cards are there. The trays are there. Everything is there and you can interact with them through the the mouse on the screen to pick up the dice and roll them to deal yourself cards to move cards around the table move things and it's got kind of its own 3d engine uh it's a little fiddly uh because like with wingspan you have to stack cards on top of each other and put cards underneath other cards and uh in a virtual setting that's a little more difficult uh, because we have things on top of the card. So I got to pick up the card with the things on the card and mm. then move it to the side so I could place a card underneath it and then put the card back where it was. It's, uh, it reminded me if you've ever played that, uh, video game, the, uh, surgeon simulator or something like that, basically where you play, um, like a squid or something that's, uh, trying to pass as human or there, there's a couple games. I could be crossing two of them together because there are several there are several that are like this and the physics engine is intentionally not real responsive <laughs> so you're you're fumbling imagine around. Um, but the neat thing about this tabletop simulator is it can do pretty much any board game 
And so there's a lot that people have put together that are not done by the companies that are just there for you to download. They may work really well. They may not work as well, but those are free. And my understanding is when the studio that makes the game creates a downloadable content for Tabletop Simulator, they remove the free version and then you get the paid version that's of the higher quality. But it gives you a way to still play the games, right? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I suppose you could, I'm trying to think, because if one of you, one of your collection had the actual game set up and you had cameras set up around that, um, you could still play. But one person obviously would be controlling every aspect of the game, which doesn't quite make it as fun, even though everybody else is making their own decisions. Um, Well, a lot of things have to stay hidden and couldn't do it that way. Mm, yes. So, yeah, I, I like the fact that you have a, a virtual setup now where everybody can have their own kind of type of game setup, how they normally have it sitting in front of them, just on a screen. Yeah, it's pretty slick. There's another one called Table Tabletopia that I have not tried yet, but it's a similar concept and just something really neat. Um, you can even go to things like, um, just regular card games. You want to play some spades, you want to play some euchre, you can pretty much do all of those in there and it's got the, the hand engine and everything like that. And you can be mildly agitating to the people that you're playing with as, uh, you can grab their stuff from in front of them and flip it around and move things. And, uh, it's, it's pretty slick, hmm. but, uh, you love playing card games though. Yeah. Um, but no one plays with me. But why? Card games are fantastic, even the basic ones. Y- yes, I tend to play them um, well, and I tend to play them aggressively sometimes. N- not rudely, just aggressively, and people don't like that. Yeah, uh, I, I I get that. I play. I, I tend to play fairly aggressively as well and it's uh you're you're correct it it is not often taken very well though if you are a euchre player so there are like levels of card games i feel Mm -hmm. and you know euchre if you're an indiana person you know euchre if uh but it's it's kind of an entry level card game uh you know you graduate up to something say like a spades or a hearts as kind of the next level and then bridge would be kind of the next level above that um but sometimes these games are intended just to be social but and i get wanting to kind of talk but i tend to focus on the game more the talking it's like come on play your card play your card <laughs> let's get moving that's true so uh we Right before everybody um, had to stay at home, um, so about a, about, a, about a month ago, maybe a little bit less, we got a, a Nintendo Switch, and we just got the party games to play with the whole the whole family. And when you play the games, and, and they have mini games, you ha- you can practice before you actually play the game. And we're always constantly, we've played it enough by now that all four of us have to get ready. Like you have to acknowledge, you have to hit the buttons to say that you're ready. Mm-hmm. And there's always one of us that isn't ready. And we're always just like, come on, let's go. <laughs> it's, so it's the same thing. We're like, just, we, we need to get moving. Let's, let's, let's get this going. Though I have to admit, probably 
probably one of my least favorite kind of card card playing habits that I've, I've noticed certain individuals have. Um, and I don't know if this is saying something about me or saying something about them is on more complicated games, talking about strategy is fun in the sense that, well, you know, if I was in this situation, I would probably do this combination of cards and this combination of strategies to get where I want. You get a game like uh, Euchre, there are five cards. There's nothing to go over. Well, you know, I got this one jack, and I thought maybe if I had the jack and the ace, I could take care. You don't need to do a play-by-play your thought process with five cards. Seriously, no. let's just move on to the next hand. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can, you can be speedy with that one for sure. <laughs> uh, well, let's kind of move into something a little more, a little more um, retro. Uh, you, you put up a challenge to me, uh, maybe not a challenge, but uh, uh, a little thought experiment or process uh, uh, about a, two weeks ago now yeah. so, since we had some time to kind of look back on a, a couple of things. So tell us what the the whole idea on this is. Um, I'll say part of it was a challenge, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. So uh, I had a lot of time in the, in the car while driving, and I needed music to keep me awake, occupy my time, that type of stuff. And I was... I'd listened to enough of the other stuff and I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to it. And and, and why it came to my, my head. I don't know. I really don't know, but I'm like, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to listen to, um, some Metallica and I'm going to listen to St. Anger. Um, and I listened to that album. Well, more details on that. And then, uh, the album that's after that, if I'm not mistaken, is Death Mag- Mag- Magnetic. And and those two albums are just completely different beasts. And I was like, everybody focused. And, 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 I, and I find ourselves talking about Metallica a lot. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know why. Like, they're, they're, they wouldn't be classified for either one of us as one of our favorite bands, but one of our top 15 bands, maybe? That's probably twenty uh, yeah. somewhere in that range. Something like that. So, but we—I I don't know—we always have a discussion about them. You know, we we are like, well, you know, with some of the collections of things like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and, and Justice for All, like that's a great collection of albums, one of the best little three-piece collections of albums. So, why we always talk about Metallica? I don't know. They're but, foundational for me. That's what it is. It was my first uh, introduction to. A heavier music that I liked. Mm, yes, uh, one of the first. Uh, I had plenty of cassette tapes, but when I decided I, I'm going to listen to music, I bought the the Black album on cassette. And then one of my like I have three CDs that were my first CDs, and and Justice for All was the those three, one of those three that I got on my first one. So yeah, there's some of the first collections of artists and sounds and songs that I had heard. And then, you know, it's people have reviewed a lot of these things. And then you, after that they had load and they had reload. Right. And then they, um, they, the, you could say they kind of went downhill in, in a sense through that stretch of those albums. And th- I, I think these two albums here are kind of that interesting stretch where we saw what bad could be 
and then we saw what a turnaround from that bad could be, right? So it, it's it's two interesting albums that are by far not not in their top selection of their albums, but are interesting albums, I think, to discuss and dissect because of maybe some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that were going on in mm-hmm. these albums. Well, I know a lot of the fan reaction is kind of thinking about these two as the uh, as maybe the weakest of the offerings from Metallica. And I, I know I personally remember my reaction when I listened to St. Anger. And I had, I had thought that I'd listened to Death Magnetic all the way, though after listening to it uh, for this conversation, I realized that I had not listened to the entire album. I had only listened to one or two tracks off of it. Um, so yeah, this is, this is interesting. So let's preface, let's go. So you kind of said a little bit, Metallica has had basically three, um, phases of musical existence. You've got their early rise to prominence and quality, and then you've got their shift to try and be more current an alternative and then you've got this next leg to to try and again evolve and do something slightly different right i i, I could say that and you know load and reload were, were written as one collection if i'm not mistaken they they came out mm-hmm. they had enough to do a double album but they decided to do those two separate and then after that, Jason Newstead left. Right. So then you had a little bit of a transition for Saint Anger. Now, if you think about Saint Anger, I mean that what two thousand and three? That's an old album. It's right? hard like, hard to I, believe that it's that old now. So that their switch in in their bass guitarist, um, Robert. Is it Chuillo, Chuillo, Chu? I don't know. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that. No, he he is their longest standing bassist. It's hard to believe. Yeah, he he's been longest tenured, I guess I should say. Um, But you're right. There was a there was a transition in there. Now you you can go and watch. I think it's on Netflix. I don't remember what the name of the thing is, like the whole kind of the documentary of the creation of St. Anger. Hmm. Um, and when they hired, when they did the auditions for their new bass guitarist. Now you can, uh, one thing that has changed quite a bit in how Metallica does things, they're much more visible. They have like YouTube channels, they have ways for you to go and watch lots of stuff. Right. Um, you can actually see little snippets of creations of their... Um, all all of their more recent albums, I guess you could say, um, and hard like hardwired to self destruct. You can go on YouTube and watch twenty minute, thirty minute chunks of them creating this album. So they're very very visible in how they've been doing stuff. Um, so this Saint Anger, I think, was one of the more one of the first of their more visible 
creations and you got to see a lot of behind the scenes. You got a lot of, see a lot of the interactions that you normally didn't get to see by watching that little documentary that's on Netflix. And one of the things that you really got to see is, um, when this, when St. Anger was created, they didn't have a bass guitarist, right? It was mm-hmm. like Bob, Bob Rock or whoever it was. The the producer was the guy that was playing bass guitar for them. So he just was a yes man to an extent. And um, James Hetfield was in rehab. So there there was like this really if you if you watch some of the more current videos, you see that Lars and James for the most part, they write the songs, they create the songs, they do everything. Yeah. And then they include the other two, whoever, I mean, it's always been Kirk, but there's not a lot of input. There's not, there are writing credits on albums actually hardwired to self-destruct. I think that was one of the first ones that Kirk didn't have a writing credit on, but there's, there's input, but really it's those two. And on this album, it was not really those two because he wasn't there. So, and there's no bass guitarist there. So like, you really got to see what happened <laughs> on this album. So, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts when you listen to this album again? What are some thoughts on it? Well, I like to try and approach things from a, a positive spin as much as I can. Um, because again, a lot of this is just a matter of perception and subjectivity. However, considering that I've seen the level of quality that Metallica started with, I mean, they were just, they couldn't fail. They were that good. Even when they switched over to the alternative, it still had a polish and a sheen where I didn't listen to the CD and go, man, this was awful. It's more just like, well, this isn't, this isn't Metallica, but it's okay, uh, kind of a thing. And because it was only okay, it's like, oh, this is awful. By comparison, it was like that. St. Anger helped give me a basis of comparison where I could realize that Load and Reload were not that bad. Um, Because St. Anger, I think almost objectively, is awful. I mean, it is just not good. I, I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Went back to listen to it again, thinking maybe time would be kind to it, or I had grown, or something. No, it's still just terrible. I mean, the thing that yes, yeah, and that's what I'm saying like it was a challenge, yeah, because that the album's hard to listen to. For me, the biggest obstacle was the drums. I mean, I I love Lars, I really do. I know I know there are a lot of people that that give people guff for liking him as a drummer, uh, whether it's from skill level, originality, or whatever. But I've always liked Lars. I think he is a an excellent drummer. Uh, at the very at the very least, um, but the tonality of the drum set that he's got on this, I know they're trying to go for a raw feel on this uh, on this album, but it was just it was just bad. I, all I could hear throughout any song was dunk 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 dunk. It was just terrible. It, exactly. So like you, you know that not only is the is the drum sound awful, but the other problem is the mixing. Oh like, yeah. The, the, it sounds bad, 
but it's so loud as well. It just drowns out everything on the entire album. Now, the mixing, like there's there's more mixing pieces that are bad on this album mm-hmm. as well, but that's the one that's so distracting. It's so it's so hard to listen to this. Now, flush it, it out. Flush it out. It, <laughs> If you have this expectation of what you want from a Metallica album, and, and okay, so I, I try to say, okay, you're not going to go into listening to this as a Metallica fan. You want, to, you've never heard Metallica at all. And someone says, oh, Metallica is great. Or they don't tell you anything at all. And they say, listen to this rock and roll album. The person who's never heard it or never heard Metallica or never heard much rock and roll, they're going to be like, this is a bad album. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. it, it, it's regardless of your of your like of your regard of Metallica. It's it's this is not a good album. Um, and so the, the, besides the, the drums, I find that the whole the vocals are oh, yeah. just awful. Like not only is the 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 verbiage bad. Like a song, you make up songs and they make sense and they don't make sense, whatever. They're your own words, that type of thing. But these are just meandering nonsense mm-hmm. and they're so screamed incredibly off. It's just really frustrating to listen to. Well, James has never been the strongest singer. I mean, that's not why people really listen to Metallica in the first place. Now, I'm not saying he was bad as a singer on, especially on the older stuff, he was good for what they were making. He didn't try to exceed his range when they did harmony. It basically, they were simple harmonies and it made sense. Uh, just, just to keep it simple. The harmonies, when they tried harmonies on this album, didn't work. They were not in key. They, they were discordant. Uh, whether that was on purpose or not, but it was distracting and just it made it really hard to listen to anything. Oh gosh, yeah, it's and and so the 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 notes that I kind of took from the album as a whole were, of course, the easy one was the drums, um, the vocals, uh, and then the other thing too. Metallica has always made songs that are four or five minutes, and they've always made songs that are six or seven minutes. Mm-hmm. These songs in this album just drag, right? Like yeah. they're way too long. They're just the, the length of these things. So not only do you have to hear the the bad drums and you have to hear the bad lyrics and vocals, but you have to hear it for like nine minutes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so frustrating to, to try to get through these songs. Like you're like looking at the timer on one of those end. <laughs> one of those end so I can get onto the next one. It's just so maddening. I think usually even on a on a bad CD, there might be one track that you kind of like, at least. Is there one on St. Anger for you? So I remember when I first got this album, because this was the time where I was still I was still buying albums. I didn't, you know, we didn't do digital stuff. I just bought, 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 bought. Um, and I remember listening to it and I was like, man, this is bad. But the first first four songs were okay and then it just went way downhill after that so i tended to when i when this album first came out just listen to some of like the first three songs four songs three songs and and that's really all i can stand on here is those first collection of songs because 
even in looking at these, I, I remember getting to seven, eight, nine, you know, some of these songs and it's like, you're five minutes in. I'm like, I got to skip, skip and the next <laughs> one and start playing. Listen to two, three. Uh, I, I can't do this. Skip. And I can, I can stomach the first three. And then it's just, it's just so down. I feel like they, they threw some good, harder material out at you up front to kind of draw you in like most albums do. Mm-hmm. And it just never brought me back after that. Like frantic. They're okay. You know, like St. Anger. Track eight some, for me. There were some bits of track eight I liked and that was about it. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not saying that I, I like these songs. I'm just saying that if I have to listen to this, I'll take the first couple and I'll be done with it. Uh, but as we transition to, uh, death magnetic, they have had some time to gel as a band. What do you yeah, think? So this one came out in what? 2008. Mm-hmm. So about five years. Um, I, I think on this one, they knew they saw, they had an understanding that St. Anger was really bad and they were frustrated probably with that. Um, but you know, one big thing, the band had been together as a whole, as a new cohesive unit for a few years when, when you started writing this. Yeah. Everybody appeared to be more or less healthy, and, and I felt like they wanted to get back to their roots. So when they tried load and reload, and then St. Anger was a, a shift in a sense, but they wanted to get back to some type of original feel like what they had prior to load and reload. Right. Not that they wanted to match those albums, but they wanted to have a a similar vibe, a similar feel for those albums. I definitely heard more classic Metallica in this, almost like it was a meld between that and the stuff from load and reload. Cause I saw, I heard aspects of, of the styles that they had in, uh, in justice and in load in, uh, in several of the songs. And not that this album is great by any stretch, but it's not bad either. No. When you listen to this album, I I feel like you get, you get into a lot of the songs and the album has a nice, it has a nice sense and it has a nice feel Mm -hmm. to it. Once again, it's not, it's not the most amazing album, but really it's not bad. And it's easy. I, I think it's, it's easy to listen to in a sense, if you want a nice, like metal album. Once again, regardless of Metallica, not Metallica. Well, like track five was like traditional thrash kind of Metallica. And, uh, I, uh, I actually had a couple songs on there that I, I, I really liked. I mean, so I wasn't big fan on Unforgiven three. Uh, no, no, no. Don't get me started on that one. No. Yeah. That, that wasn't great. But, um, and the timing of the track after that was just really weird and made made it hard to get into that particular song. Um, but uh, they had a instrumental in track nine. And Metallica, yep. for me, my favorite track on the first four albums was the instrumental track. And so... Yep, those see, are good. Yeah. This, this, one's, uh, this one's okay. It's probably not like... Probably my least favorite of the things on this album, honestly. Well, yeah. maybe besides Unforgiven Three, but uh, <laughs> but 
this i don't know it's one of the another one of those songs where you listen to it and you're like oh good an instrumental and then it just it never picks up for me um and and i actually like the when you said the unforgiven through the one after that is uh judas kiss i like that song um i like the the, the switching between things you're you're right that is it's distracting awkward. in in that song but the song as individual pieces i like yeah yeah and i'll go with that the 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 components were good but i felt that they didn't sew them together and that's usually something that metallica is really good at is transitioning from one time signature or style to another and they usually blend that so well so it becomes really apparent when they don't do a good job of it uh yeah i want to say that this album you know, talking about trends and how things are consumed, you know, once again, we've said 2008, this, I think this album or either a uh, Primus green Naugahyde was one of the last actual CDs that I have physically purchased and held in my hand. Uh, the days of physical media. Uh, that, that, I think what happened is there was this giant uh, virus that, ha- that occurred with the, the CDs and they had to socially distance themselves. So, uh, something happened. <laughs> they just weren't there anymore. Uh, I mean, not that the digital media has made things bad. It's still, it's still nice. It's, you know, we, we've talked about this before. If we have the option, we'd prefer to buy the, the DVD, Blu-ray yeah. digital combo, as opposed to just buying the, uh, digital track, right? Like right. for a, a, a movie. But a lot of times now, because, that demand is so small, the cost to make those things has kind of gone up. So, you know, a, a DVD, Blu-ray combo, especially if you want to do HD DVD. Oh, my gosh. Those things, like, HD, that's funny. Um, uh, 4K. Those things are like 30 bucks, 25, 30 bucks for a new release. And you can get the digital, which is 4K, for 20 bucks. Right. So sometimes it just becomes a money thing where... Mm. Uh, even the digital copy, yeah, a month after the thing comes out, it'll go from twenty bucks down to ten bucks. So it's just so much cheaper to buy the digital copy. And in terms of how we consume music, that that shift happened a while ago. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But the important thing to remember is some of the best things in life are very inexpensive, like our podcast. You can listen to our podcast for free. But you can support us for only a dollar a month on Patreon, where we are at Pudding Guys. And of course, you can keep up to date with everything that's going on through Twitter at Real Pudding Guys or Instagram and Facebook at Pudding Guys. We Pudding are guys. always excited. Uh, always excited. Uh, I am not having good talking time with being isolated from people. But uh, we are always happy to see somebody comment on something, whether it's on our website, on one of our forums, or whether they contact us through social media. We love it. Give us some feedback. Tell us your thoughts on, do you think Metallica's St. Anger is a bad album or an awful album? We would love to hear it. <laughs> yes. And did you did you have the uh, uh, Death Magnetic album that had all these different layers. It's like a coffin on the front and the first layer flips open and another layer and then another layer. And it keeps opening up into the actual albums. Yeah. I'm always usually, I'm always happy with 
the the album art, even going back to when they were actually albums. I love I love the the feel of that. That's one of the things that you miss when you have that digital consumption. It's just not there. You don't get the liner notes. Exactly. Um, one liner note to keep in mind is that uh, we're starting to uh, we're starting to catch up on our history of comic book movies. And we will be finishing 2007 here. Can you believe 2007 had uh, not a ton of comic book movies? There's only a handful. Um, now, one that I'm not going to get into, I just wanted to mention, it's not really a comic book movie. It's more of a comic strip movie. Uh, Dennis the Menace Christmas was released in 2007, as was... Uh, nice. Yeah, St. Trinian's, which is kind of a, a British thing, uh, also based on a comic strip. But the last comic book movie in 2007 that we have not talked about is Spider-Man 3. Yay. What? This isn't your favorite movie? <laughs> oh my gosh, this was a this was a this was a movie of what could have been. Yeah, a little bit. I, With with the first two of them, uh, Sam Raimi movies, you knew the direction, you knew the fun, mm-hmm. and I don't. Maybe it's just me, but the Venom character does he fit well in a Sam in a Sam Raimi movie? He could, not Topher Grace though. Correct. I I love Topher Grace. I mean, I may be I may be one of the few people that can really say I I like him as an actor. He's He's very likable to me. I, I will watch stuff that he was that he's in, uh, and uh, it's kind of one of the funniest parts if you've watched the uh, Oceans movies when he's in Oceans Eleven and Oceans Twelve. It's funny. I mean, he's just got a, a natural kind of charm to him. the 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 character of Venom uh, is not charming. <laughs> Cannot be charming. Does not. No, work. he he doesn't. I don't picture him as an Eddie Brock type person. No, no. Eddie Brock is a bit of a meathead and needs to be a bit of a meathead. You know, where Flash, where Flash Thompson was the meathead that had some redeemable characteristics is the way that he needed to be portrayed. Eddie Brock was the meathead that did not have really clear redeemable characteristics, at least that you don't find out about until much later. Um, and so... It you can't it I, I can't be scared of Topher Grace with CGI, <laughs> not even remotely. Yeah, and and I don't know what was this supposed to be scary or intimidating or like there. First of all, there's too much going on in this movie. Yeah, right. Like that's one of the big things. If if they still would have had all the other elements. Even him with the black suit, mm-hmm. and then maybe at the end it finds its other host, and then you got your sequel. That's the next one. Right. Yes, uh, the, the the fact that they had the goblin in here as well. Oh, okay, cool. Well, you're if you're gonna focus on Benham, why? Um, I like the Sandman character. I like the Sandman. Um, presentation i thought sandman was fine in this movie thomas hayden church did a fantastic job as uh flint marco i i thought that was the one thing that they did right and and having that character be the focus bad guy that's okay 
uh, having the surprise of another goblin at the end, uh, that's okay too. And even even if you had Venom in the movie, that's I, I guess okay too. But not all three of them. I think I think that's that's the problem. And you're and you're right that the actor chosen for the Venom character eh, not quite the right choice. No. But all the other characters, um, they were you know what we saw in the first two movies. So they brought everybody back. Right. You know, a lot of the supporting cast was great. Well, and the other thing to to consider is, at this point in his career, James Franco was still learning, still getting better as an actor. I don't think he's because right now I think as an actor he's pretty decent. Uh, back then he was still kind of wet behind the ears, and mm-hmm. he, I I don't think he was he was ready maybe for kind of such a villainous turn. Um, it, it was, it was kind of, um, whiny a little bit and it just, uh, it's like, yeah, again, I can't, um, it it just didn't, didn't quite work for me. And, you know, if you think about all the elements that they had set up in here, you know, they had the same person for, um, uh, Kirk Connors, right? So, right. like, he 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 was in here, and they had they always had the the, the lizard kind of waiting around. Oh, that would be um, awesome. All all the other like snippets of the people that were there. Um, I always liked that Bruce Campbell's in all these movies because right. you know Bruce Campbell's awesome. Yep. But it, it's they were building on something here, building up that that possibility building up that uh, universe. And this is the thing, this movie, this is what killed it. This is what killed Sony at the time where they could have been just getting hot on these things. If they would have brought in the lizard as the villain and done the black suit and that's it. And maybe just started hinting at Harry Osborn kind of tipping towards insanity just a little bit that would have been perfect i think i think that would have been a very viewable movie and people would have just crammed the aisleways uh and into their seats for a fourth one and they could have brought in the new green goblin and even bring in sandman if they wanted but no more than two villains you you don't need three it's just too much to to pay attention to and to get any sort of character development and and the thing about this movie is like everybody knows that it's not as good as what it as what it could have been. And when you look at the new generation of Sony movies, obviously we'll discuss those later. We have we reviewed Venom and it was right booty, um, <laughs> but it made a lot of money. Yeah, right. So the the budget on this movie on Spider Man Three was two sixty. Mm-hmm. It made almost nine hundred million worldwide. So it's still very, very, very successful. Mm-hmm. And that's, in a sense, we've seen that with Sony. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be good. It just needs to be for them profitable. to make money off of yeah. it. Yeah. And this one, which is which surprises me that they didn't do another one, right? I just don't think any of the actors wanted to come back. I, maybe that, maybe I'm wrong, but I wouldn't uh, be surprised if you were right on that because I, I, I seem to remember hearing that Tobey Maguire wanted to do something different. Yeah, and 
uh, what could have been? And then the, uh, obviously they rebooted it and that didn't last either. And now, so we're in our third generation of Spider-Man characters, but we've seen that before. We've mm-hmm. seen that with Batman, for example, uh, recently, mm-hmm. right? So it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing, but they need to space it out. I think a little bit more. They can't, I understand the need to maintain rights of an inner intellectual property, but yeah. you just kind of make everybody tired of of it and then if you get people too tired you're not going to have that well to go back to yeah and uh, i you know one of the, one of the things is in this movie you still had all the elements and maybe the elements were too much maybe all the surrounding characters and the drama and all those other things maybe that was a tired formula as well not just the villains mm-hmm. maybe all the other lifespan things and of course one of the big things that we haven't talked about is the, the, like the jet, the dance scene. I'm one of the few people that actually kind of enjoyed that. It was kind of good because it was bad. <laughs> it was, it was awful, but it yes. made me laugh. You know, cr- cringy and, but that, that makes sense. But still, I I feel like that's one of the elements that was really kind of, panned in that movie was besides other things was that one the gift that would never end oh gosh (laughs) i still see that come up every so often or or uh or the derp face (laughs) that uh that toby mcguire has at one point i think when he's getting cookies and somebody freeze frames it he looks like something is something is wrong but uh yeah i there are elements of the movie that I really liked, but it, it, it was pretty bad. Yes. Agreed. Well, what do you think, Pudding People? As, uh, as I said earlier, we love to get your opinions. Let us know out on social media. Help us stay connected. Let us know what's going on and what you think. But until next time, stay safe. Stay safe. How about yes, we, please stay safe. We, we, we will hopefully cut that out with a very no. kind individual that... Uh, that looks at our editing because we want to look professional. But uh, stay safe, stay indoors, and uh, continue to be entertained by pop culture. 